Pastor Wagoner here again. This is video number seven in our study of expository preaching simplified. Part seven is entitled, Make Your Point. There's a humorous antidote that I once heard about a fellow who never went to church much. His wife attended every Sunday and often asked him to go. Finally, one Sunday, he went, and he listened very intently to the pastor's sermon. Afterwards, his wife uh, was so anxious to ask and soon said, well, uh, what did the preacher, what do you, you think about the preacher and what he said? What, what was he talking about? Well, her husband thought uh, for a minute, and he said, well, he was talking about sin. Well, what did he say about sin, said his wife? Well, again, he was paused for a moment, was kind of thoughtful, and he said, well, I think he was against it. Well, the moral of the story is this. If you expect, or if we expect our listeners to understand what we're saying, we better be crystal clear. They're not always going to get it. Think about the average political speech. They cover a lot of ground. They touch on many subjects. And it's nearly impossible to summarize their message. We as preachers must do better than that. Our subject matter is too important for our message to be confusing or vague. We have to make a singular crystal clear point. If we expect anyone to remember it or to benefit from it. Exceptional preachers identify and communicate a singular message found in their text. A text might could have two or three messages preached from it, but whatever that message is you're going to deliver that comes from that text needs to be one message, not a combination. This is the, the first matter at hand after you, after we do our study of the text that we intend to preach. It, it, it may, by the time we finish studying, it may be obvious from our exegesis what that topic is going to be. However, don't be overly concerned if you have not identified the topic by the time you reach the conclusion of your study. I don't always do. Here's the thing. You, you, generally speaking, you can identify the topic. That's not so difficult. But you've got to hone it down into a singular concept, which is easy to communicate and which the people need to hear. And with the right application so that they can apply that scripture to their life. Again, I'm not always able to put my finger on it after I've done the exegetical study. And neither will you. Sometimes, it goes on for a while, and when it does, you always feel a sense of desperation. And there's plenty of times over the years when, in the midst of the week, I've said, Lord, what do you want me to say about this? And I don't mean to be irreverent, but I sometimes just talk to the Lord that way. What do you want me to say here? Well, he's never, ever given me an audible answer, but neither has he ever failed to guide me. However, time and meditation on my part, is usually required. And I think it will be on your part as well if you come to this point. Biblical meditation is simply dwelling on the word over time. The Hebrew word means to mumble or to repeat God's word over and over to yourself. That word's used in Joshua 1.8. 
where Joshua is told to meditate on the law of God, and the Psalm 1-2, where it's mentioned again. When you are not sure how to proceed, and you don't have clarity, put away your books and your notes and do something else for a while. One reason why I mentioned maybe kind of doing that after you finish your exegetical study on the last video. Oftentimes, clarity will come after you meditate on the text. In time, the Holy Spirit will direct your thoughts. At times, I have suddenly gotten clarity on how to preach a passage of Scripture down to the very outline I want to use after waking up in the middle of the night. Can't explain that. Holy Spirit just illuminates your mind. Other times, I've had it happen while playing golf or driving home from the office. As it remains on your mind, as you meditate and you think about your study, things will take shape over time. When this happens, and when it happens, it'll be, it'll be seemingly effortless. Uh, but when it happens, although it seems to be effortless, effortless at the moment, it will only take place if you have done the time-consuming hard work of study first. And then you begin to think about it and mull over in your mind and seriously uh, look at how you might want to preach this text. Again, the focus of the sermon should be a singular idea. Some call it a proposition. Others refer to it as the main idea. I always call it the big idea, out of habit following Haddon Robbins' terminology. Express your big idea, proposition, whatever you want to call it. Express it in a complete sentence. If you do not, it will likely be far too broad in scope. You won't have any limits on it. On the other hand, even though you want to use a complete sentence, remember, the briefer the sentence is, the better because, well, you're honing it down and uh, a, a shorter sentence briefer statement will better stick in the minds of the listener. Remember always that a sermon is comparable to firing a single rifle round at a target. It has to be precise. It's not like firing a load of shot from a shotgun at a clay pigeon, which only requires uh, being in the vicinity for one or the other shot uh, to connect with the target. The big idea also has to be stated in homiletical terms. Now, what do I mean by that? I think back in the first or second video, we talked about homiletics, the practice of learning to preach, the uh, academic word for it. But when I say in homiletical terms, I'm talking about saying things in a way which motivates the listener to do something or to act in a certain way or to believe something. It, it cannot be exegetical. Now, exegesis is what we do when we study the passage, but you don't want to make your outline exegetical. But then you'll be talking about Paul learned this and Paul said that or Peter did this. We're not talking to Paul or Peter. We're talking to people in the pew. So we should talk to them. Our outline should be what they need to do, what they need to believe, how they need to respond. That's what I mean by saying, putting it in homiletical terms. It's being hortatory. It's being encouraging. It's being uh, motivational by speaking directly to your listener. Your main points and your big idea 
need to be in homiletical terms. Uh, it should never be merely a statement about what happened to a Bible character. What they have done, what they learned, what they believed. Instead, it should be a point, it should be pointed directly at your listeners. It should communicate something that is a matter of some urgency as well. If there's no need for them to hear it, they're not going to listen. You want to make sure you find a, a big idea that deals with something important. And make it homiletical. Here's a good example. Say you're preaching on uh, a passage where Peter walks in the water. I think it's Matthew 14. Don't make your big idea, Peter walked on the water. That's not homiletical. That's exegetical. That's what the scripture tells you. But you're preaching to an audience who needs to learn some application or, or take some application from that biblical text. So you know, your, your big idea would not be Peter walked on water. It would rather be something like this. It should be maybe live by faith, not sight. Remember when Peter saw the waves, that's when he began to sing. So, very, very simple homiletical statement of the big idea. Live by faith, not sight.